sermon this morning is taken from 2 Timothy, so find in your copy of God's Word this letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, young Timothy, an old preacher telling a new preacher as we pass the mantle to you, these are the things that are important. He's pouring into his ministry, but he also needs to let him know the emotional makeup of his audience the character tendencies of people, even if they're Christians. And so he writes many things and kind of puts the dirty laundry out there, if you will, of the church. And so one of the things I want to tell you, even a good church like Ephesus, uh, there's people. And if they are not taught, if uh, they're not disciplined, if, uh, if they're not held accountable... Uh, things will digress, particularly with the passing of a generation. And so Paul's writing as he knows his life is coming to an end, realizing that this young pastor's come up, and if he doesn't say something, they're going to eat him alive. Yeah. That's, you know, seeing the scriptures that way is, you know, these are real situations and real personalities and real conflicts that are present. If we understand why it is written, we will understand greater the content rather than just treating it with some sort of reverence. These are the words of God, but we would also realize they're real situations with real applications that applied 2,000 years ago and still apply today. And so when we look at this passage, I want you to understand it. Let's read it right quick. We're going to read the first seven verses of the passage. Uh, Paul says to Timothy, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. That's a statement in itself. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. For of the sort of those who creep into households, make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning, Never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You reckon that passage applies today? Uh, Let me point out one very obvious thing that you may have already forgotten. He's not talking about the world. He's talking about the church. This is his letter to Timothy, who's pastoring a church, and he says, look out. It all begins 
when people become lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. Ooh. Kind of takes a different context because your mind immediately went to, yeah, that's our society as a whole. But in proper context, and that's the only way to read the scriptures now, he's talking about the church. Let me take me a selfie. This is me preaching. Yeah. Oh, here's my better side. There's, yeah. They say if you shoot up high, you look skinnier. Yeah. Yeah. If you notice people always taking selfies, they have something now called a selfie stick. You put it on a little rod, you can put it out there, it looks like somebody else took it. So you don't look like you're too vain. (laughs) Everybody's always up here. And people have social media pages that are about me. And churches market themselves because they've got a brand. You know, this church is where the young, cool people go. This is where the rich and wealthy go. This is where the hipsters go. This is where this group goes or this group goes. We're all centered on ourselves. Sad to say, preachers are now talking about having the most expensive tennis shoes in the pulpit. They are talking about that now. And the, and the coolest wardrobe when they're in the pulpit. And the aesthetics of their sanctuary. And how many people came to a special event that they had. Or how many likes they got on Facebook for sermon. And and Paul says it all begins when God's people get centered on themselves. They become lovers of themselves. It's hard to believe, but for the last 50 years, pop culture has said self-esteem is the secret to success. That's what the world said. You know, you first got to love yourself. You got to believe yourself. You can do anything that you set your mind to. You know, that you are the most important person. Take care of yourself. That's what the world says. Now, you would think that Christians in pulpits would stick with the Bible. No, they didn't. They tried to find some way to take this pop message and this feel-good philosophy, and it, it draws people, it makes people feel good about themselves. Let's find some way to incorporate that and bring it into the church and Christianize it. That's exactly what happens. People go to church today when they feel needed, when they feel affirmed, when the message gives them three points or three steps towards being successful and how to have a perfect family, or realize your financial goals in life, and to be happy. As if that's the goal. What is happy? Everything's going good in my life. Everything's, nothing's detracting from me. My content, my entertainment, my life is good. 
And so we tried to find some way to preach about that. Now, one of the things Paul also said, he began, and we couldn't dismiss it and get off a path here. Verse 1 says, But know this, that the last days, perilous times will come. It's the whole premise of the passage. Tough times are coming. And then he gets into the lovers of themselves. How are the two connected? People do not stick with the church when they're lovers of themselves because times are tough and getting tougher. Uh, you know, I remember, it hasn't been that long ago, even though it's been a while, particularly with some members here, but you remember after uh, 9-11 how that first Sunday... The church was full all over the country, and they said it's going to be a revival in the church. Didn't last. You would think tough economic times would draw people to the church. No, it didn't. Because people are with you as long as times are smooth, and they feel like they're all the most valuable player. But what when these rough times come? He says, rate yourself. Where are you at when it comes to courage? That's a Christian character. Courage. Uh, where do you rate yourself when it comes to Christian strength? Those are the things that you're supposed to be judging of yourself and your congregation. And it's the first thing that goes away when you are a lover of yourself. Courage. You know, I'm going to take care of me and mine. You know, I mean, I'm not going to make any sacrifices. That's too much. It's messing with my golf game. It's, it's messing with my free time. And so you don't have any strength. You don't have any courage. Well, where do you rate our church? Uh, where do you rate your pastor when it comes to that? Is the church in trouble, we might ask? God is still working. Is the church? Paul told Timothy, perilous times, difficult times are on the way, but men will be lovers of themselves. He's not talking about the world. He's talking about the church. He challenges Timothy to disassociate not with the world but anybody in the church particularly those we elevate as pastors and teachers and influencers in the church disassociate from those yes that's exactly what it said did you read it it, it, it said it right here it says for this sort verse 6 those who creep into household make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know those TV preachers that are always talking about prosperity and financial success? Who are they preying on? You know exactly what I'm getting to. People on limited income. People who are gullible because I feel good when this preacher speaks the number one best-selling quote-unquote 
Christian book? How to live your best life now? (laughs) People buy it. People flock to it. People watch it on television. And they don't know how to read the Bible for themselves. And when hard times come, they have no personal courage, no personal strength. Paul told Timothy, don't you be guilty of this. Don't you be guilty of preaching what people want to hear. Don't you be guilty of only telling the positive things, the encouraging things that are in Scripture. You just present what I'm telling you. What is written? Any pastor, any church, or any Christian who promotes the love of self as their advice, they are misleading you. That's what Scripture says. How could something be so diametrically opposed? The world says, love yourself. The Bible says, deny yourself. Somebody has to give in order for this message to become popular. The modern church is full of Ungrateful people. You said it right there in the passage. Ungrateful. Ungrateful. They they migrate. They commit themselves only to a community of faith that serves them. Each and every one of you are, should be somewhat encouraged by the fact that we're together and we're drawn here simply for the simple act of worship. We're not drawn here for all these programs and the flashiness of some places of worship. The thing that we have to say is we're here because we're in love with the Word. We want to know what God is saying to us. And so far, this particular pastor in the pulpit, every time we open up God's Word, we see some area where we don't match up and that becomes our focus because we desire to be pleasing to God we desire to be obedient to God that we come to that and we say we didn't come here simply to be encouraged we'll talk more about that in a minute we didn't come here simply to be uplifted we came here to hear from God now the end result is happiness true happiness joy that the scripture talks about comes after obedience You see, the world wants happiness on the forefront, and they decide if they want to be obedient. But in God's word, happiness, happenings, contentment with the uh, circumstances around us, that occurs after we're obedient. Blessings come with obedience. The world seems to have erased that. We don't think of Christianity as obedience. We think of it as life after death. The ability to pray when life gets uncomfortable and God erases it. 
and takes it away. He doesn't promise that either. But so many have preached that, believed that, and oftentimes because their comfort is all they're interested in, when God doesn't answer the prayer the way they want it answered, they have no strength, they have no courage, and they go away. Heartless Christians live only for the Kodak moments. There's an unsaid rule. Preacher needs to say something to everybody that's here. Give them eye contact, pat them on the back, or something about their life. If a preacher doesn't do that, they usually don't last. You know, I wonder how much of coming to the church is out of focus to what we're really called to do. Any pastor, any church, any Christian centered only on themselves is displeasing to God. And it says, disassociate with them. Any pastor, any church, any Christian centered on themselves, displeasing to God, disassociate with them. That's what God's Word says. Yet if you say any criticism about these kind of leaders that come to the forefront, you're wrong. Bible is not a book about success. The Bible is not a book about self-esteem. It's a book about sin and God's sacrifice to bring you back into fellowship with God. The Bible is not about you. It's about Jesus. Your Christian faith is not about you. It's about God. And anything that you do to dilute that or water it down, you're wrong. And so anytime somebody comes to the forefront in the church, this is what he's telling Timothy, and they start preaching that garbage, confront them, show them in in God's word where they're wrong, and if they still continue to preach it, disassociate with them. Remember, Paul's concerned about this. I'm not going to be here to discern this. Timothy, you're going to have to discern it. Because I'm telling you, this will be a very popular message. People will be drawn to it. And this person is going to lead them into all sorts of things. What did it say? Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, No self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. If you don't cut it off at the neck, it will become infectious in the church. And the church will lose its message altogether. Is that not what's happened? 
No matter how you package it, whenever it becomes focused on you and your comfort, it takes away from the message. Jesus told his disciples, you say you want to you wanna be with me? Take up your cross. Deny yourself and follow me. Now how do you take that message and put it on TV? Or on the bestseller list? Well, the New York Times, the New York Post. How do you market that? What's happened to the message of holiness? Don't even hear it anymore. What's happened to the message of purity? You don't hear that anymore. Why? Because the preachers today were raised up in an environment where the preachers that preached to them never talked about it. When they read the Bible, their select passages, they gloss over it. And they, they know that if they preach that, it's going to irritate the wrong people in the church. And they'll be without a job. Which detracts from their ability to make car payments and house payments. And have vacations. Why? Because they're lovers of themselves too. You see what Paul saw? He's telling young Timothy, watch it. He says, hard times coming, and these people will not stick. They won't do the right thing. They'll become whiners and grumblers. There'll be infighting in the church constantly going on. Why? Because somebody's feelings got hurt. To keep people in the seats, you can't preach this. Follow Jesus. There will come success. It's not promised. There will be some happiness when you're obedient. It's a healthier lifestyle to follow Christ. But the question becomes, is Jesus enough? That would be a good song to write. Is Jesus enough? It's the one thing they can't take away from you. Paul knew it. When Paul is writing to Timothy, I need to remind you, he was under house arrest. He had an ankle bracelet on, if you want to think of it that way. He had a soldier right next to him. He couldn't come and go as he pleased. He's forced to write rather than actually show up in the church. Uh, he couldn't go out for a meal at the local restaurant. The holidays were out of the question. He writes these things. He's got courage. He's got strength. But even Paul had learned not to be a lover of himself. You know how I know that? When, uh, if you take the writings of Paul and you put them chronologically as to when he wrote them, according to where he was at, from the Damascus Road experience 
to his dying day. He writes initially about himself and says, I am the Pharisee of Pharisees. I learned under Gamaliel. I know the scriptures. You know, I have wore the robes. I have been somebody. I'm a lawyer. I'm a, a scholar. I'm, I'm this. That's what Paul's saying. That's what he said at the beginning. He, he, you know, because somebody questioned his integrity. He, he put his resume out there. Then as he's writing a little bit longer, he started saying things like, I'm a sinner. Near the end of his life, he writes a phrase that sticks out and really reminds you something has happened in Paul's life. He says, I am the chiefest of sinners. <clears throat> he's been denying himself. He's, uh, he's gotten rid of this love of himself and who he is and what his brand is. He's, uh, he's not talking to large groups anymore. First Corinthians, the fifth chapter, Paul says, don't judge the world, judge the church. Let judgment begin first, where? In the house of the Lord. That means the problems that displease God are found in the church. Sinners are just being sinners. Darkness is just being darkness. But the bright light of the truth has grown dim. It's as if people have heard dumbed down sermons so long that they just really think Jesus is so in love with us he wants to make our life great and trouble free. And it's not the truth. Anybody who preaches anything contrary to that, he told Timothy, disassociate from them. Don't let them have the pulpit. Don't let them have influence in the church. You know, I can honestly say this, and maybe I shouldn't say it, but I will. One of the things that I feel responsible for you as a church is collectively for your spiritual well-being. You know, you're still responsible for yourself, but I feel whatever influence I can be, I need to be that. And, and I've been preaching now for a while, and it almost concerns me that if you're watching Christian television, or you're reading Christian books, or you're reading the right ones. Because if you put yourself under the influence of these people, and they're preaching a spurious gospel, if they are preaching something that is not true to the jest of what God has called us to, you'll be led away. And that progression that you saw in the passage we just read will begin to take place in your life. Look at the last passage. It's there on your note sheet, or if you're in your open Bible, turn to 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, verses 3 through 5. He says, here's what's going to happen. It's just one chapter later. Remember, this is an epistle, so we're going to a little bit later in the letter. 
Each one of these chapter assignments is where scholars, people have decided this is a good way to break it up according to subject matter, but it's the same letter. So the same context fits. 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, verses 3 through 5 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you... May I insert Timothy? But you, Timothy, be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. It's amazing. The Bible is a prophetic work. It means these are the spiritual principles that will follow. When you look at Romans, the first chapter, You'll hear me talk about that a lot as, as I teach you. If you look there, you'll see where our society is in Romans, the first chapter. When this happens, the next thing that happens is this. When that happens, the next thing that happens is this. In Romans, the first chapter, it tells you they then become depraved and their minds are dark. Now, when we're in this passage in 2 Timothy, we're talking about the church, not the culture, not the United States of America, the church. You could even say it would happen here. If you allow this to happen, he says, it'll come to a time when people become such a lover of themselves. They don't want to hear anything that sheds them in a negative light. They want to be encouraged. I've had people come to me as a preacher and tell me, I feel like every Sunday that you are mad at us. I feel like every Sunday that you're, you're, you're projecting something you're frustrated about in the congregation. That, that it's intended for somebody that's here that you've got some tension with or conflict. And I said, no, not at all. Not at all. And, and somebody says, could you like every once in a while pick up the Bible and preach something or another that's encouraging and uplifting and gives us hope? Well... Every single passage that I have preached over the last 30 years, I find one thing. Here is sin. And I'm, you've got to repent of it. And after you repent of it, then you will be happy. And the hope is Christ died for us all. Amen. <laughs> That's the formula. Every sermon I will preach from this pulpit, that will be what you hear. Because the Bible is addressing one problem. What is it? Sin. What's his answer? Grace. Provided by who? Jesus. Warning you of what? Judgment. It's like everybody wants to find a passage in here that sounds a little bit more like uh, uh, pop psychology. But the church should be Bible-centered and Christ-centered. It cannot be people-centered. Needs-centered. It has to be Bible-centered and Christ-centered. So the question becomes, are we strong? Are we holy? Do we love Jesus or do we love ourselves? 
It's, it's not a little bit of both. It's one or the other. Now there's one thing that Jesus said. He promised us that if we are a spirit-filled church, that means spirit-controlled, spirit-influenced, if we are that kind of church, here's what he said, you will accomplish greater things than I did. Did you know the Bible says that? He said, literally, that if you allow the Spirit to lead you and you're obedient, you will accomplish greater things than I have done. Want something encouragement? But what do you got to do first? Be obedient. If you do nothing any different, if you do... I heard one member tell me one time, they didn't want to do it unless it was fun. You know? Everybody in the church wants about fun, needs to be entertained. Why don't we just simply do it because we feel like God's called us to do it. And so we do it. Any pastor, any church, any Christian who's not striving for holiness is dangerous. It's dangerous. Don't allow this dangerous gospel to creep into your thinking or creep into your church. We're here because we're grateful for Christ who died for us made it possible that we could have right fellowship with God. And as we walk with Him, He makes a path for us. Yes, there'll be a mixture of bad times and good times. Most people don't want to tell you about that. We, 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 that's how we deal with negative things. Good things and bad things. It rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. There are storms coming. That's why we're told to build our house not on the sand, but on the rock. That's where we get courage and where we get strength. And so the sermon title this morning simply asks the question, Am I in love with myself? Or am I in love with Jesus? Is my church in love with itself? Or is it in love with Jesus? Is my pastor in love with himself? Or is he in love with Jesus? Because you can't have both. We have to deny ourselves. You say, I don't know how to do that. Quit making happiness your number one priority. Realize that there are some tough times coming. It's an uphill battle. We're very quickly becoming a minority opinion about most things in the culture. Rather than complaining about it, what I recognize is just the birth pains of a coming Christ and serving with greater strength, greater courage, and greater sacrifice. He will multiply the things that he is pleased with. That's a promise. We've been talking about it. When you sow seed, you get a harvest. But if you wake up in the morning and you say, my back is bothering me, I don't think I'm going to go sow today. 
You don't get a harvest. It might be true. We as a church need to stop looking inside of our own resources and simply be obedient. That's faith. God supplies all of our needs and all of our resources.